0: Skeletons and shivers down your spine. A shrieking skulls will shock your soul and steal your good tonight. Spooky, scurvy skeletons, speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shrieking. So I will call these skeletons just so misunderstood. Yeah. You only want to socialize. That means I don't you think to see yeah. the board. One a
1: with a red door. Skeletons.
0: Really comes. comes, comes, at night, it comes. Uh, yeah, I didn't
1: like it. <laughs> so I shouldn't even... it been out for a while and I haven't seen it, but I just shouldn't even see it. No, you can see it. Oh. I
0: just didn't like
1: it. I still want a movie made of that one... I don't know if it's a story you read or if I've seen I think it's a story you read. But it was like, you go into like a house and it was like, you go into a room and there's like another room and then there was like another room and then you were like outside, but that was actually just another room and it was like, oh man.
0: That's happening on sci-fi literally right now. Yeah.
1: What's that called?
0: No End House.
1: Okay. I don't have...
0: Channel... Either. No, no. I've... <coughs> the the third episode of the six-episode season is Tomorrow. The first season, it's called Channel Zero. The first season was Candle Cove, which we read six episodes. Each film is like 45 minutes. Really good watch. Sci-fi. It's like Netflix quality.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I and,
1: watched the fucking news... New thing on Netflix. Go Do your thing first.
0: And uh, I forgot about it for a while. I actually forgot about it for all the recordings in the last two (coughs) weeks. But I've been watching No End House. And the first episode is fucking phenomenal. Uh, It's really great. It's not... See, the thing about Channel Zero is it's not like... It's not taking the creepypastas and just making (coughs) a six-episode show about it. It's like taking the plot... And some details, and then fleshing it out with different characters over six episodes. So it's like it's true to the creepypasta, but it's doing its own
1: thing. Well, I thought that itself, that story was gonna be Red Door, and then Red Door was mm-hmm. that. Oh, it's like infected, and I was like, yeah, whatever bullshit.
0: And the funny thing is, is it, it comes at night. Like, you you just see. The infection is literally just people dying.
1: Like bleeding? There's like a little bit of blood. You can't touch
0: them, you can't be around them. Like, it's better to just fucking kill them. And like, it doesn't. There's a couple dramatic moments in the movie, but ultimately there's no monster, there's no context. It's just implied that the world is shit. It's like a bad thing. Ultimately, it was just a little boring. It was like a lot. I, I have no problem with slow burners. You know, there are a lot of really, gla- really great slow-burner horrors. None are particularly coming to mind. Maybe House of the Devil. But, you know, It Comes at Night was uneventful. Dramatic. I watched a couple more horrors. I watched Gerald's game, The Stephen King adaptation. Yeah, I have that on. Fucking loved it.
1: Alright, so it's good.
0: Fucking loved right, it. There it
1: is. Right next to okay, Trailer so I, Boys. So I
0: can't spoil any of it for you, but there's just... There's a moment near the end where I physically had to get up and walk away from the TV. <laughs> it's because they just, they do things terribly accurate. It is terribly realistic. And it, I just couldn't watch it. I just, it wasn't, I wasn't ill. It's just, it was one of those moments where like I had to look away. <laughs> like I just couldn't. Um,. I would say the last time that happened to me is like the wrist cutting scene in Thirteen Reasons Why. I just had to get up and like walk away from it. Like,
1: I didn't know if they were actually gonna do that when I watched it, and I was like, "Oh shit, shit!" Like, and I couldn't move. I was just like, I just need both to see ways, this. both
0: ways, like self mutilation and like suicide, and like <coughs> just just watching it and showing it. Like, I was just like, "No, thanks." So like, uh, th- there's a there's a critical moment in Gerald's game that just I don't even have a proper word for it, but it just grossed me the fuck
1: out. I mean, I'll watch it eventually. It's fantastic. And it's Netflix, so it won't just randomly disappear on me, hopefully.
0: It's a Netflix original, so it shouldn't yeah. disappear anytime soon. Yeah. Um, any other horror things going on? I I'm, i am think I'm seeing Annabelle tomorrow.
1: will not see that.
0: I'm having, uh, I'm having a, I'm having a girl over. Oh my god, what is uh, that? And, uh, for the first time in a couple months, mm. I think I'm gonna get it in.
1: Um, good, good luck, I guess. It's Thank been, you, sir. I forgot, <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day, it's been way too, I, I don't remember how long, I think it was like 250 days. <laughs> Like is, like uh, legitimately, two hundred and fifty. Like. I had sex in June,
0: and that's. <clears it. throat> I, I might have had sex at some point in July. I just don't remember. Maybe like the first week of July. I
1: want to say February. For, yeah. I don't know.
0: I, I what know. What the fuck does it matter? I know dudes who haven't had sex in like two
1: years. It so.
0: Oh no, it doesn't matter. But I'm uh, I'm, I'm making dinner. I got some wine.
1: That's why you got your. Your dip getting ready?
0: Oh, no, no, no. I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing like a three-course meal tomorrow. Oh, okay. With with two bottles of wine.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, man. And Um, apple, apple whiskey schnapps.
0: Actually, yeah.
1: I can't even figure out how to talk to a girl, dude. I'm still stuck on that part. That's why I'm literally just, and I'm just like, I'll just keep doing this.
0: focusing on other things because uh, you're lost and confused and you don't feel like dealing with, uh failure (laughs) or denial
1: Mm. uh i guess it's just i don't i'm not like scared of failure or denial but i'm not even at that point yet i'm just like trying to just do what makes me happy and i'm just focusing on what i'm good with and eventually something will happen
0: that's the real horror story right there ladies and gents
1: are you recording women i thought you okay
0: oh we've been recording (laughs) it's now nine minutes in
1: okay I thought I'll, you were just having a life talk with me. Okay. I'm going to
0: cut around sections. But yeah, this is lots of pasta here with uh, a bunch of baby dogs. Right. And uh, your last episode went over uh, really well. What was that? Your episode just came out on Friday.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And
0: we did what we're doing right now.
1: What was What's it? The Episode
0: uh, 40,
1: 46. The only thing I know is Harold Heavy Hands was just like, the dogs keep jangling, and I was like, yeah, well, I couldn't stop that. Mm-hmm. This is
0: what no control, in. and with ambient music and ambient tones it throughout the video, real it really, honestly, it blended pretty well. I, I didn't mind it. Yeah, you get past it. You get past it. We don't have dogs today, oh. so I don't know if that does anything for the storytelling necessarily, but... We're here to read more, not hot but spicy. Um, I heard a, a couple good things from some people, and uh, what I, the reaction I tend to get is like, yeah, it's like a dated Reddit no sleep. It's like diary journal entries, thread entries, blog spot entries, that you could have found in like 2000, you know, when the, when the AOL was still on dial up.
1: And we had MySpaces.
0: And we had Zangas. Zanga. <laughs> <laughs> Manga. <laughs> MangaMesh. Anyway.
1: Newgrounds. Yeah. Oh, I miss Newgrounds. E-bombs world. I miss Newgrounds. Funny Nobody part. does flash anything. Funnypark.com.
0: Yeah, no one flashes
1: Funnypart.com. shit.
0: Funnypark.com. Oh, that was that was one that was never blocked by the school IP. So I just always went to it.
1: You could just go around it anyway. Um, you said it's like, in like a... Beginning website thing.
0: Last boss, reading not hot but spicy. Um, we've a lot we've a lot of fucking <coughs> material. Specifically not hot but spicy material. I think I might have grabbed everything they have and like news flash to everyone out there. I don't think we're gonna get through all of it. It's not exactly a series, so I don't feel bad. Like I feel like I think we got two more Django episodes before we're done with all the search and rescue stuff. I still got a couple two-parters in the works for a couple people. I'm finishing up one of them with um, a buddy this Friday. But uh, not hop Spicy, so I think I just have like 300 pages of this shit. So I asked you earlier what uh, either what scared you or what stood out to you. Ghost Radio. And, this, uh, and and the one that stood out was Radio Station Ghost, and you started talking about it, but I'm glad that we didn't really get into it. It's like, what what about this? You were implying that there's something very easily manipulatable about radios so, so like, that
1: could freak people out. Well, because, not even just radios, you could even do it with like cell phones, and like you could do new age stuff, but... Like Ouija boards, there's people, there's interaction with things, but radios, especially, like, if you're listening to it, you don't know if anybody else is listening to it or not. Mm -hmm. That could be, like, somebody just fucking with you, like a radio story or whatever, like, talking to you, and it's, like, literally just that person, like, almost possessing it. Mm -hmm. Just like they could do that on your phone. Like, they could be texting shit on your phone, like, if they really wanted to. And I'm sure there's probably cases somewhere out there of, like, my phone's randomly texting. And I'm sure somebody hacked it. Yeah. But, like, if you actually had that happen, you are like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I'd be freaking the hell out. I'd just try to turn my phone off. Because I'd be like, I don't know what to
0: do. Yeah. No, I'd recommend that. Like, so. cutting the connection.
1: Um, Even with, like, static TV sometimes. Yeah. It's It's kind of like that. You know it's nothing, but then you start to try to make something out of it.
0: There's a story coming up. I think it's in 54, where it's all about local... TV stations and just flipping through static for a while and coming across a channel that someone is like filming from their basement and it's just like fucked up shit (coughs) that he didn't that he just broadcasts from his house (coughs) and like that that was believable Um, you know when you you think about radio stations uh, historically speaking I think one of the funniest things that comes to mind that deals with what we're talking about is when in like I believe it was the 60s uh BBC Radio uh read HG Wells War of the Worlds. I said Attack of the Worlds. I was gonna say War, war on Aliens. Th- so it's okay. Yeah, the one War on Aliens. <laughs> war of the Worlds. HG Wells. When um, came in the in thing yeah, the thing about it was that For the first, like, ten minutes, they talked about H.G. Wells, and they talked about the story, and they basically, like we do, is they say, sit down, you know, sit back and relax and enjoy the story. Some people tuned in, like, a half hour late and just heard very news-oriented reporter speech and narration that sounded like actual aliens were... Blowing up the fucking planet and people flipped the fuck out. And I think that's hilarious. That's that's that needs to happen more. But we live in a technical age. It's hard to do that now. It's harder to do that now. Yeah, and UFOs aren't as popular anymore. I think uh, X Files days have come and gone. I think uh, someone someone described it as and I'm gonna ask you how you feel about Do you believe in aliens? Yeah. You believe in aliens. You believe in ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I do believe in both, uh, to a certain extent. Yeah,
1: I mean, it depends, because... I uh, don't believe in, like, hauntings. I just believe in spirits. That's what I mean. And I don't don't even believe that it's us dying and then we go there. I believe, like, it's a being we just can't comprehend. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like magnets. Like, people don't really understand how they work yeah they can understand polarity the, they can understand that but then yeah. explain polarity and then they're like what it's kind of like the like my biggest problem in high school all time was always like the big bang thing mm-hmm. It was like alright there's a big bang and it's expanding what the hell's around the big bang and what was before that nothing I, but what the hell is nothing nothing <clears throat> like they don't really explain it and then like people are like oh there's multiple bigs like because it's, it's just the it expands and it comes in and, and I don't know like if you think about it it's like it gets really in depth yeah so, uh,
0: you got to think of like the Hadron Collider in Switzerland, and you know, smashing particles and atom smashing and shit like that to
1: try and us and... making black holes.
0: Just yeah, like yeah. literally, you can you can put a bunch of those things together,
1: and essentially, it created the universe. I don't even, I don't know how I feel about if they visited or not, anything like that. And I don't, I'm not saying that they have or haven't. I'm not saying that they're smarter than us or aren't. But I do believe that there's eventually. There had to have been, or there is, life out there.
0: There are other habitable There's planets, tons
1: of planets out outside there are, of
0: our system, yeah. so it's easy to explain that there are at least animals, <coughs> and if, if if the universe has been along as long as it had, then there has to be life somewhere else.
1: Yeah, and I'm not saying it has to be occurring at the same time as ours. No. So, and even if you look through telescopes or anything like that, like
0: they found cellular it, life on mars yeah. You know, give mars another million years if the sun doesn't explode and mars would have life you know
1: i mean mars might have had life before us true like, and you won't even know closer to like, the sun like you know? maybe from it moving and stuff like that it destroyed all evidence sure i don't know there's sure i don't know there's tons of stuff
0: tons of shit but, but yeah not happen spicy
1: <laughs> yeah, getting off on tangents like about flaming aliens hot and ghosts, Cheetos.
0: but um, flaming Hot Cheetos, love them. Um, not Hot But Spicy, already talked about it, it's kind of like a thread diary log blog. So this user was GPF, and the story is called, this one actually has a title, nothing we really read la- last time had titles. Um, <coughs> oh, Gipuf. Gipuf, Radio Station Ghost, take it away.
1: In 1987-88, I worked at a small radio station in Lebanon, Tennessee, WCOR AM 900, a little 500-watt powerhouse on the edge of town. Oh, it had been on the air since 1947 or so. That was the earliest telegram I had found in the archives. I was at various times the morning guy, afternoon, evening drive time, and late at night close-up guy station. Wait, close up the
0: close up the station. He was
1: there all the time. He didn't leave. Open to close. They could have just wrote that. I was also the chief engineer because I was the only person that knew how to solder. The building was in two sections. The new story section where the studio, transmitter, offices, and all that stuff lived. And a squat one story section where the old studios were. It was essentially abandoned. No lights, no furniture, nothing there. Anyways, one evening, I was alone at the station playing full albums to piss off the GM, and generally being lazy. I heard someone walking up the stairs. This was odd since it was about 10.30 at night and the only person supposed to be there was me. I went to the front, checked for a car, but mine was the only one there. I called up the stairs and no one answered. I went up the stairs, but as I almost got to the top, I caught a severe case of the wheelies, heebie-jeebies, severe pussying out syndrome. (laughs) They couldn't just write one. And I ran back to the DJ booth and shat myself. <laughs> the record was almost over, so I went through the motions, changed the song, and sat back down. Then I heard a trump, trump, trump of someone coming down the stairs. Then I heard the trump, tromp, tromp of that person coming up the halls towards the booth. I reached around, grabbed the mop handle. As I sat there, the trumping came through the door, up beside me, around behind me, and out through the door to the transmitter room. I followed this with my head and eyes, and no one was attached to the tromp tromp tromp. Well, as you can imagine, I squealed like a little girl. After this, the spook would come tromping around the radio station at night, but only when I was alone. He'd sometimes stand right in front of me mixing the board and watching me do my show. Finally I looked up one night and said, Okay, if you're gonna hang around, at least let me see you. Well that was a mistake. The room became unbearably cold, and the air in front of me became to warp like a heat mirage. I squealed again and hollered, Never mind! No, 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 just go away! The spook tromp backed off the old. Wait, the what? The spook tromped off back to the old part of the building. I thought he was calling him a spook tromp. Spook tromp? That's gonna be a new insult. Later that week, I almost jumped over the GM's desk, telling him to move me to an earlier time slot. Everything worked out well, and I moved to the shift before the one late at night. I trained the new guy, let him run the shift by himself for a couple of weeks. Of course, I never told him about the spook. After letting him alone, I stayed there after my shift to chit chat with him about his shift. As we talked, I asked him if anything strange happened during his shift, and he replied, Oh yeah, there's this spirit that comes around at night? I almost shit my pants right there. This kid was a bit insanely religious and kept calling the spook a demon. While we were talking, the spook tromp 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 up the hall into the production room, and I was looking over my shoulder through the glass. The room got chilly, and I was not happy about it. The kid said, Just rebuke him in Jesus' name. Well, I'd never thought to do that, so I turned around, looked at the window, and said, Jesus says to get the fuck out of here! The spook tromped back to the old section and left us alone for the night. I quit working there not too long after that. This is not what I wanted out of the radio station. I wanted there to be like a random station that would like turn on and like start telling him like fucked up things that would like happen in the future and it would like happen actually and then he'd be like freaking out. And why don't you write that creepy pasta? I'm not a writer, dude. But that's that was my <laughs> thought of what that was gonna be. Not
0: We've, oh, we've Trump, read Trump, Trump. we've read creepy radio station stories on the show before. There's one in uh, 38 that's pretty good. <clears throat> I read that with my. My girly friend, uh, Campbell Siren. Good radio story. Real creepy. This next, not hot but spicy, is by Davy Lockwood. And it's called My Aunt's Pot.
1: What kind of pot?
0: I don't know. We're gonna find out.
1: It says right there, cooking pot.
0: <laughs> Let's get one thing out. This story has nothing to do with drugs. <coughs> Yet. It has to do with my aunt's pot, like cooking pot. So the setup my aunt was going out of town and needed someone to watch her house they had to stay there every night because there were thieves and criminals in her neighborhood the lady's like 90 so i take up the bid and oblige gotta earn my place in the will right i show up at her house as she's leaving and she shows me around a large kitchen living room and bathroom downstairs with two bedrooms upstairs a small house we say our goodbyes she leaves and i get to work watching television i'm not there maybe 30 minutes when there's this outrageously loud clanging from the kitchen I run in and am met with a stainless steel metal cooking pan, 12 inch size, rocking back and forth on the hardwood floor like it just fell off the counter. I didn't think twice about it, opened up the cupboards until I found the pan area and I tossed it in, then went back to watching TV. After about an hour of that, I started to get uncomfortable on the couch, so I went up to the guest bedroom and started to go to sleep. I remember thinking, how long has it been since someone has actually used this room? She's lived here for like 50 years. Has anyone really come over? The clanging. The noise of metal on wood reverberated throughout the house. My heart was hammering in my neck as I peered out of the doorway down the stairs. At the bottom sat the same pan, horror movie style in a single patch of light cast by steel lamps outside. The stainless steel bounced the yellow light all over the room, making it look like everything was moving was something moving? I went down to check it out, keeping my eyes on the dark spot against the wall. I really was not thinking about ghosts at all at this point. I don't know what I was really thinking. I knew what I needed to do though. Hit the light and jump on that shadow. I crouched down and tightened up my legs, then hit the light switch and leaped onto a fucking coat rack. A shooting pain burnt through my face as my nose collided with one of the stupid ass coat rack arms. Fuck that. I'm going to get that pan and go the hell back to sleep. I turned around and stared at the now empty floor. No pan. I decided to continue with my previous plan and head upstairs to go back to sleep, cursing the coat rack as I nursed my nose and watering eyes. Stupid pan. I got back into the dark room, laid down in bed and started to go to sleep, pulling covers over me and touched something cold. Not quite ice cold, but still surprising. The pan was in the fucking bed with me. This was the first time I got an okay look at it, in the faint light that was coming in from the window. First, it was cold, I mentioned that. Second, it smelled awful, like seven-day-old hamburger awful. Third, it was whispering to me. You know that sound when you hold a seashell up to your ear? That sort of sound was coming out of this. Like a bunch of people whispering, then listened to through a metal funnel. I thought I caught my name once or twice while I carried the pan downstairs. Sleepiness numbed any fear of confusion. I just accepted things as they were happening. Moving talking pan, sure, why not? I put the pan in the cupboard again and jammed it closed with a wooden spoon. Satisfied, I went back upstairs to sleep. I woke up vaguely dreaming of pans. I decided it was all a dream and walked to the downstairs bathroom to do my morning business. This wasn't that hard I thought. Sleep in a house for 3 nights and get paid for it, good deal. Now put your brain on pause for a second and I'm going to throw and I'm going through what happened next in slow motion. First, I opened the door to the bathroom and faced a mirror. In the mirror was a furious-looking old man holding the pan over his head. Second, I turned around and saw the pan flying at my face. I ducked instinctively listening to the pan whoosh over my head. Third, the mirror behind me exploded in a mirror induced death, sending its silvery carnage all over the bathroom and ricocheting the pot off the sink and into the bathtub, making a horrible, horrible amount of noise. Back up to normal speed, I stood there a moment dumbfounded, then picked at a piece of mirror, touching it to try and figure out if that just happened. At the angle I was holding it, it reflected the faded dragon on my shirt. I know I'm a goon. I turned it up to look at myself in the face. It was a reflex try picking up something reflective and not looking at yourself in the face i caught the reflection of something moving behind me there it was again i was fighting with myself at this point either put down the shard and act like it isn't there or keep looking and see the old man trying to kill you i stepped aside and moved the shard over using it as a rearview mirror nothing still that was the moment i decided i had it with this house I threw down the shard and walked outside, walking past the mess in the living room. I apparently had also knocked over a lamp in the coat rack incident. I got into my car and started it and started to back up when I saw the guest bedroom window was open. I started to think, did I leave that? And the pot flew out of the window and broke through my front window, landing in my passenger seat. I picked it up and threw it out, in one swift motion, all the while reversing and getting the fuck out of Dodge, thus ended the pan incident. Until my aunt called me at the end of the three days and thanked me for keeping the house so clean. It gets even weirder. Three years later, when she died, she left me specifically, as in, and to Dave I leave, that pan. In the note she said, it felt like the right thing to do. I buried it in a park. So, to all you ghost hunters and believers who think that ghosts have some motive or some purpose, nah, you're wrong. Ghosts make no fucking sense, and I'm pretty sure have no idea what they're doing. I'm not saying that they don't exist, I firmly believe after that incident. What I'm saying is that they have no idea what they're up to. I just think that that guy was on a different kind of pot.
1: You mean he had a bowl? And I'm not talking cereal. Spaghetti was,
0: okay. <laughs> uh,
1: I name my, my team for my club Team Spaghetti. Team Spaghetti cuz everyone does like pun based stuff for, like the Falcon and I was like we're going to be Team Spaghetti. That would be cooler.
0: Team Spaghetti. Yeah. I like it. This next one's by a guy called Arthy no, Arthy Arthy.
1: That's the name of the story.
0: No, that's the username. Arthy
1: Arthy Arthy, the damn man.
0: <laughs> the story's called The Damn Man.
1: No, it's Arthy Arthy Arthy, The Damn Man. Great. He's a beaver. He's not even a man. I don't know why they're reading this. My beaver dad was an engineer. When I was 17, he took a job renovating a dam about 40 miles away from our house. At the beginning, it was just a normal job, but then he started coming home more and more. I would say almost frantic. You could tell there was something wrong at work, maybe a bad coworker or something. My parents' relationship was strained as it was, and this stretched to the limit. They started yelling at each other late at night, and one day at dinner table, the straw broke. Dad told what was bothering him. The dam is haunted, he said. Mom and I stared at him, me in interest, my mom in annoyance, waiting for him to crack a smile and just say that he was joking. That smile never came. He just got up and went to his office. That just means the bathroom, I guess, because it's in quotes.
0: <laughs> That's a good point.
1: Yeah. Mom stared at You ever hear that you should call the bathroom the gym instead of the john? Because then you're like, I gotta go to the gym. And people just think you're working out all the time. (laughs) Yeah,
0: you're going to work out you're working through something else.
1: Yeah. My mom stared at her food a while and then followed him. I hung around with earshot to see what was going on. The conversation started out with mom's raised voice, but it gradually became quiet, confidential. Dad agreed to refuse the job, to work a few days until they could find a replacement, no more. This is where my intelligence came into question. I asked if I could come to work with him and see the ghost. He agreed... Well, the ghost is in quotes, so is that like the poop ghost?
0: Ghost. Okay. <laughs> no, it's just uh no. it's, not it's sure implied. If it's a no, yeah, I'm I know I'm that. Sure.
1: But don't, don't do that to the other thing. then. Don't do that to the office. <laughs> the, it office. The, the office, the office, isn't office like just
0: a... means it wasn't a real office. He didn't <sighs> I, actually I know do that. work in there. He probably just touched himself.
1: Uh, that's what you do in the office. Here. He agreed, but told me to bring a friend. I called Josh, and he was stoked, and by the next day we were riding up cramped in the backseat of my dad's pickup towards the dam. Josh and I checked out flashlights, nothing fancy, just a little of those pen lights to get at the gas station. We were a far far cry from professional ghost hunters. When we arrived at the dam, both Josh and I were struck by the somber mood that abounded in just about everyone. You could have told us that they were in a morgue and it would have been easily believed. We followed dad down through the concrete labyrinth, past the bypass, past the generators, deep into the access and maintenance tunnels below where the construction was going on. Dad grabbed a one millimeter cable, candle power light, and two radios from one of the carts, not really stopping as he walked. It wasn't construction really, just patchwork to make sure the dam didn't explode under pressure, necessary little injections of concrete to compress cracks, that kind of sort of thing. When we went down some stairs and took an abrupt turn to the right, we were met with a hundred foot long, unlit hallway with another set of descending stairs at the far end, lit by a single naked light bulb. Alright, Dad said, this is it. All you have to do is walk down to the other end of the hallway and back. Feel free to turn back and come here at any time, I'll be standing here with this torch. Just yell at me and I'll light up the whole hallway. Take one of those radios with you just in case. Noise has a way of getting trapped down there, he said while gazing down the hallway. He was talking quietly, the sort of way you would if you're surrounded by sleeping creatures. Josh and I lit our flashlights, and we started walking down the hallway. Almost immediately we began to feel pressure close in around us. It seemed the darkness itself had weight to it, pushing down on our shoulders, sneaking into our throats and choking us. We both walked slowly, concentrating on the light at the end of the tunnel, on our little bouncing pen lights. Dams are creepy places in general, and this one was no different. Minute shifts in the lake caused the dam to moan in a way, but not in a way you could hear, more like you could feel it moan, somewhere deep in your stomach. Little drips would become gunshots when reflected in the right way, ventilation shafts would seem to form whispered words, voices from far off managed appeared right behind you. I had had experienced these before in other dams, but this one was different, completely different. I suddenly snapped alert. Josh was whispering my name from somewhere. I became aware that we were laying down on the cold, moist concrete floor. The light at the end of the hallway had gone out. Our pen lights did little to hold back the wet, seeping darkness that was constantly encroaching on us. I pulled the radio out of my pocket, whispering to my dad, 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 turn on the light. No reply, just that silent static that filled the air around us. Josh and I turned around and looked behind us. We could see that Dad was sitting on the steps. I wanted to yell for him, but I couldn't. If I opened my mouth, the darkness would come in, pour in, drowning me. The radio crackled up in my hand. "'Turn on the light, turn on the light, turn on the light,' whispered someone. It wasn't my voice. It was a sick, wet, almost gurgling voice, guttural and deep. It, was, it originated from the gut almost of the throat. Josh and I pointed our flashlights at the radio and he cursed as his light flickered and died. We were stuck, trapped in the hallway. We couldn't yell, we couldn't move, we couldn't use the radio. Josh, we have to try and get back. He nodded back, his face eerily lit by the pale blue penlight. I tried to ignore its brief flickering as we both started to crawl back down the hallway, using the penlight to light the way in front of us. The darkness was complete, filling the edges of my eyes. Our whole world existed in that circle of dim light before us. Everything else was black. Then my hand touched something. I jumped backwards and pointed the penlight where my hand had been, nothing. But I knew without a doubt what I felt. It was a foot. I had laid down my hand on the ankle of a human foot. It had been wet, slimy almost. The skin felt soft and bloated, ice cold. It was so vivid, I thought to myself, I had the calluses on the back of the heel, the wrinkles on the skin, the tension of the dead muscle. I had surprised whatever I touched as much as it surprised me. Suddenly Josh was yelling at me. He was gasping and spinning around on all fours, his eyes wide with fear. What the fuck was that? He started. Something touched me. It put its hands on my back. He turned around and showed me the back of his shirt, a grey t-shirt that he wore in case it got dirty. Two defiant handprints were set in it, right behind his shoulders, showing easily against the rest of the shirt. Whatever hands had touched him had soaking wet hands. His face set as he looked forward, I followed. Up ahead we could see Dad relaxing on the stairs, with the light behind him, erasing all the details of his face, but there was someone else now. It was wearing a poncho, a heavy wet gear that damn workers who have to work in deep work wear. Brief reflection of the light around the silhouette showed its emergency yellow color. It was wearing a hat, too. One of those rubber seal hats I had seen my dad wear on so many occasions. Someone else had come down to talk to dad. Then I felt it look at me. From far away, even though Josh and I were in total darkness, I felt it look at me knew Absolutely knew It saw me. Then it started walking. It was a hurried walk with a heavy limp. A determined walk. The walk of a man who has something important to do. Someone who is late. Someone who wants... To kill an intruder. I was paralyzed there on the floor, shaking from the cold water seeping through my shirt off the floor, from the fear of whatever it was walking at us. Closer. Closer. I pointed my flashlight at him. He was maybe thirty feet away now. His waking had picked up at pace. Little details shimmered in the penlight. His face was a sickly white, the eyes gray and swollen. One eye was pointing directly at us, the other eye lazily drifting off to somewhere else one eye on me one eye on the coke machine (laughs) (laughs) his cheeks had dark blue veins showing through his lips were torn and rotting in places shimmers of light reflected back to me as droplets of water caught the light whoever the man was he was soaking wet still closer too close the radio dad was talking through the radio are you boys okay back there i'm turning on the light cover your eyes i couldn't see him anymore the man was close enough that he filled our view His wet boots heavily slapping against the concrete. His wet, labored breathing seemed to slide across the walls until it reached my ears. It occurred to me that my flashlight had gone out, and at the same time, the boots' steps stopped. I could hear the breathing, though, only feet above me. Wet rubber squeaked against itself, and I felt a wet, swollen hand slide down the side of my face, then violently grip my hair and yank my hair back. The world erupted in light. Bright, unbroken light filled every corner of the damn hallway. Why are you idiots laying down? What's wrong with Josh? I heard my dad yell. Unseen behind the bobbing light, he was running towards us. I looked over. Josh was face first in the concrete. He had passed out. I started shaking him and he woke up, pushing me off him in fear at first. Dad reached us and helped me pick him up. Pick hip up. (laughs) Then pointed the light down the hallway and dismissively shook his head. Let's get out of here. I'm seeing things now. I thought I saw one of those workers... Just go around the corner there. Was he wearing wet gear? Yeah, why? Are you okay? He squinted his eyes, almost knowingly at me. He had a unique experience, I thought to myself. Probably every day for the last two weeks. Why is your hair wet? Was the last thing I remember asking him. I find myself waking up late now, soaking with sweat, thinking about that tunnel. Sometimes I can feel the wet hand on my face, sometimes I feel the foot. Other times I just see the silhouette at the end of the hallway. Any hallway. Afterwards... Dad fronted an effort to quintuple the amount of wired and emergency lights in the dam, and the personnel were more than supportive. He also suggested to change the emergency gear to red, so that everyone wasn't jumping out of their socks every time they saw another worker. So they usually wear fluorescent. Why would red help? I don't know. Guess I think they just need a different color because they were freaked the fuck out by the yellow. Art the art the art the damn man Beaver. <laughs> It sounds like it was like a haunted spirit, of like someone who eternally was working. Oh, someone, there. someone fucking died there. Absolutely, Probably died there, and is like eternally working Absolutely. there. Absolutely, I think that more than like a evil presence. Did you watch um, Mob Psycho?
0: Yeah, I fucking love Mob Psycho.
1: All right, so I didn't get it through it, and I need to. Like, I know I need to. I watched the first like four episodes, I think, but one of them had a, had a tunnel. Yeah, that's what that reminded me of. The, yeah, the tunnel that, like, people, like, freak out when they go into tunnel and you can't
0: get through it because they'll, they'll kill you. <coughs> the spirits will kill you. Yeah. Yeah, totally thought of that. It's cool. This next one is by a guy, Costimo. It's called Weird Dreams. Well, this is nothing really like anyone else's stories. In fact, this could all just be my imagination. Some kids can't go to sleep without their door ajar and a light on in the passageway. This was never the case for me. I always slept in complete darkness. When I was a child, I dreamed more than anyone I've ever discussed it with. I had several dreams that I could remember at night, and in every one of my dreams, I died. I died a thousand deaths: being shot, stabbed, poisoned. I fell from cliffs. I burned in fires. I relate heavily to this.
1: That's gonna be like that new movie, Death Day.
0: Death Day. <laughs> Happy Death Day. Yeah. Uh, as a kid, <coughs> as a kid, I uh, I wasn't afraid of the dark. I enjoyed the dark. I I needed the dark to sleep. I'm very light averted. I sleep in a basement. But all of my dreams had me, like, dying multiple times. And it would always end with me, like, bringing my shit into my parents' room and sleeping on the floor, uh, like, under their bed. Because it was a high bed. So I relate to this. Most of these nightmares I just put down to an overactive imagination. The dreams I was shot, it was usually by some soldiers in some war. Too many movies. But some dreams I knew were different. They all involved places I knew, as opposed to other nightmares, where I was killed in all sorts of locations I've never been to. These particular dreams, I was prey. I was being hunted by some beings that I couldn't see, couldn't feel, but I knew they were there. When they caught me, they tried to kill me, but they were non-corporeal. so they couldn't physically injure me in these dreams. When they got me, I couldn't breathe, and I felt them draining me. Normally, when I knew I was dreaming, I could wake myself up very easily, but not when they had me. I could feel them keeping me in the dream, and it took all my will to drag myself away from them and wake up. All my other nightmares, I could wake up and say to myself it was only a dream and forget about it. But these particular dreams, I couldn't get out of my head. I somehow knew that they were real, and that scared the hell out of me. In the nightmares, when these beings caught me, I was trapped and couldn't breathe. I would slowly, intentionally claw my way back to consciousness. I'm an only child, and for the first 12 years of my life, I slept alone in a bedroom at the opposite end of the house from my parents. Occasionally, I would have friends sleep over, and I would completely freak them out. Because I discovered that when I was dying in the dream and couldn't breathe, I couldn't breathe in real life, sometimes for extended periods of time. Some of the times I'd wake up and whoever was staying at my house would be shaking me, trying to wake me up because I was choking, unable to breathe in. As soon as I regained consciousness, I could breathe again. This didn't happen every night, just the nights when I knew the dream was real. Sometimes I would be having a normal dream, dreaming about being a champion footballer or whatever the fuck young kids dream about, when I knew that the being searching for me had found me in the dream and all of a sudden the dream became real. Over time, I realized that not all of my dreams involved me being hunted down. Sometimes I would be talking to the other beings. One group of beings in these real dreams tried to help me. These were not like the dark, invisible things which tried to kill me. These other beings were semi-visible, shorter than me at the time, making them quite short. They tried to teach me things in the dream world. There were three in particular. I can't remember the names of two, but I remember the name of one distinctly. Rying. I'll explain why I can only remember that name later. These beings taught me, and I think they tried to help me hide from the hunters, but they couldn't protect me or fight the hunters off. I learned that in these real dreams, I had powers I didn't have in real world. I could fall great distances without injury because I could slow how quickly I fell. It was as if I could affect gravity's effect on me. This also meant that I could almost fly. It was more levitation. It required all my concentration in the dream, and I could never get more than a meter or two off the ground and couldn't move very quickly. There were other creatures that inhabited my dream world. One was a small creature that looked a little like a hedgehog. It was a misty, semi-transparent creature. Sanic. Sanic, which made it easy to accidentally step on. If you stepped on it, you wouldn't feel normal pain from its spikes but strange pins and needles feeling. The other strange thing about these creatures was that where they died these pins and needles effect would stay where they died even if the carcass was moved or decayed there was one corner of my grandparents house that my father grew up in where i knew one of these creatures had died because i got that effect in my foot whenever i stepped there in my real dreams all these dreams happened when i was about 10 and younger i guess i started having them less and less often and i forgot about them i mean completely forgot i never thought about them once So when I was 15, I could remember one specific dream I had. Some invisible beings I could sense were trying to get me, and in the dream, that's when I remembered. I remembered all the dreams I had when I was younger. The realization was so shocking, I felt like it hit me. The closest analogy I can draw is the effect you see in movies where the camera draws away from the subject, but zooms in so it looks like the subject's face doesn't change in size, but the background rushes in at them. It's called a dolly zoom. I remembered having real dreams. The strange thing was... The being that was attacking me suddenly drew away and disappeared. A dolly zoom is one of my favorite uh, camera techniques. It's a
1: Spielbergian kind of thing. Get freaked, fucking Jaws. I remember uh, dolly zooms. Yeah, that's like the training one. When I where like zooms in on the dude's face, it's like. (laughs)
0: when i woke i could still remember everything i could remember (coughs) the dreams i had as a child as if they just happened here i found it strange but as a 15 year old i stopped believing in things like that i thought it was just my imagination a couple of years ago i was talking about my dreams with my dad while we were having a couple of beers so he's old enough to have a beer he told me that when he was a child he had two friends that came back to a lot of the dreams he had he told me their names I didn't recognize one, but hearing the one nearly made me drop my beer, rying, the same name as the other three that tried to help me in my dreams. My father told me how they used to be his friends in his dreams when he was young, and he went on to describe one particular dream, where one of his pets in his dream, a little creature he said looked like a shadowy brown echidna, died. He told me exactly where it died, just in between the crabapple tree and the kitchen. This was exactly the spot that I had dreamed of knowing one of these creatures had died, because I had walked over the place it died in one of my dreams, and had felt the strange pins and needles feeling that the creature gave me the place where they died (laughs) the place was outside at the time of my father's dream but by the time i was young the kitchen had been extended and the spot was indoors in a corner this blew my mind most things in my life like that i put down to coincidence but that was just too close i told dad about the same dreams i had as a kid and to my surprise he wasn't shocked at all he said that his mother had similar dreams when she was young, and so had her father, When my great-grandfather who died a long time ago before I was born. I've spoken to my grandmother about this, and she remembers vividly talking to the little people in her dreams, and talking to her father about it. She seems to treat them as perfectly normal. Having an Irish background, she believes in the little people. Little leprechauns. I had never even heard of them until I talked to her about it, and that was a long time ago, after I had these dreams. I haven't had real dreams for years now. I haven't seen Ryan or the other two in my dreams for years either, but I know that they are still there. What really bothers me is that my father, grandmother, or from what I have heard, great-grandfather, was ever hunted in their dreams. They knew that other (coughs) evil creatures existed in the same world as the little people, but they were never attacked. I was attacked every real dream I had. The other difference was that the little people taught my family and spoke to them, but they didn't teach them what they taught me. Limited flying, controlled falling, etc. Why was I different? I can't explain how I know these dreams were real. I'm agnostic. I'm not sure there's a God. I'm not sure much in this life, but some things I just know. I knew that... Of my four grandparents, my maternal grandmother would die first, even though my father's parents are older and more sickly, and my maternal nan was fit as a fiddle till the day she died. I know that my father will die before my mother. I don't know how I know, I just do. Sometimes lying awake at night, I can almost feel the real dreams. But whenever I concentrate on them, I feel them slip away like sand through my fingers. Sometimes I momentarily see things that aren't there, like a single frame with an extra object spliced onto the roll in a movie. When I get deja vu, this happens occasionally about once a month, it kills me. I often have to sit down and close my eyes. I get the feeling that strongly. But what really fucks with my mind is my memory. You know how sometimes when you're trying to think of someone's name or a word and you get it right on the tip of your tongue but you just can't remember it? Whenever I think about these dreams, I get that feeling. Like there's something about all this that I've almost forgotten. But I know that it's important somehow. But remembering is like trying to grasp smoke. I have tried hypnosis to remember more, but I'm one of the one in ten people that can't be (coughs) hypnotized. It just doesn't work on me. That was a bit of a ramble. Yeah. I like dreams. I like cool, fucky dreams. I like crazy dreams. I often feel hunted in some of my nightmares, so I can relate to that. But I feel like whoever wrote that story was probably, like, 12. It it just kind of... Just kind of kept going. Yeah. How do you how do you feel about dreams? What are, your, <clears throat> what are your
1: dreams like? I don't have a lot of dreams. And when I do, they're fucking dumb. Same. Like, I, I can't remember them. And when I do, like, I don't... Re- like, I tell somebody. Because I'm like, told you. And he's like, I don't know, man. You tell me sometimes. And sometimes I don't remember. But, like, we were talking about it the other day. Like, I was gay the one day for David Bowie. And I was like... <laughs> I mean, the bulge, dude, I can understand. The bulge. That labyrinth All the labyrinth in there. And he's like, yeah, I guess you're right. It makes sense now. And I'm like, no, it doesn't make sense, but okay. Dreams don't always make sense. Dreams rarely make sense for me. I feel like there's subconscious and deeper meaning and stuff. I think it's just a bunch of bullshit sometimes. Like, maybe there's subconscious, but not always. Like, it's not all.
0: No, sometimes it's just chemicals
1: yeah now a lot of times i'll just i go to bed at like midnight if i can and then i'll wake up and i'll just be awake Yeah. i'm just like i slope and i'm awake and wait is this the dream
0: (laughs) inception i could tell you for a fact that i know i dreamed last night and for the life of (coughs) me i can't remember what it was about
1: those are worse like, I
0: know for a fact that when I woke up this morning, I was like, man, that dream was the tits. And I, like, rolled over. It was, like, 7. And I and my alarm was, like, 8.30. And I was like, let's just jump back into that dream. Let's do it. And then I went back to sleep, and I woke up to my alarm, and I didn't remember shit.
1: I've was, done that multiple like, times. Fuck. Multiple times.
0: Whatever that dream was, it was banging. It's it like, probably had something to do with chicks.
1: It's, it's... Generally... Why would you dream about chickens? Chicks. Yeah, baby chicken. You're just, like, sorting Chicks, them. Chicks, bruh. Yeah, those little yellow yappers. With, with titties. I mean, that's how they get their milk. Yeah, man. Chickens need big breasts so they can turn into chicken nuggets. Read this have, fucking story. I understand. <laughs> but I don't... I this have. your last I, have, story I, I have so many things like that where i go to bed, I'll wake up at, like, fucking three in the morning, and I'm like, god damn it. I want to go back to the the happy dream thing (laughs) Dream And then like the story concludes and I wake up And I'm like What the hell happened? I was like it didn't end I just went back to sleep and woke up It didn't continue That was bullshit My story did not conclude
0: this morning I feel like I woke up like What had to have been the throes of something Very thrilling So thrilling mentally that it woke me up And I like (laughs) stared at my ceiling And I was like wait I'm awake now No, that was it. No,
1: I know. I'm just...
0: Unless you want to look (coughs) it up.
1: I was just seeing how long it was. was, That's a bunch of bullshit. All right. This is Johnny Canuck, who had red eyes.
0: Stories by Johnny Canuck, and it's called
1: Red Eyes. He could have red contacts. They don't know that. He could just have red eyes. People have that sometimes. Yeah. When I was a teen, I lived out in the country on a 100-acre hobby farm. Most of these 100 acres were forest and swamp. Our main focus was raising exotic birds and fowl. Fancy geese, peacocks, and that such. But also regular chickens, ducks, turkeys, and so on. Chicks.
0: Ducks.
1: (laughs) No, no, chicks. Chicks. Yellow chicks. One late afternoon, a friend and I were exploring a trail we'd found a few days earlier. It's a barely visible trail cut out at the end of a dead-end road where my driveway was. The driveway was more than a mile long. My buddy and I were wandering down this trail, having nothing better to do, when we spot across an even smaller and more overgrown trail, branching off from this one. We've already had supper, so we think, what the hell, let's go see what we can find. Sometimes you'd find the cool stuff dumped, somebody dumped years ago, and it's like an old rusting van we turned turn into a fort. Anyway, we wandered down this barely visible trail, and we stumble upon a clearing. By the edge of this clearing is an old one-room shack most likely put up by a squatter. It's in pretty bad shape. Planks are falling off the sides, revealing old, rotting tar paper. There's a hole in the roof. There's one window that has been broken and rebroken. We start to get nervous, as whoever built this place might have a gun. You don't want to be trespassing on a squatter's land, as they're usually pretty crazy. As this fact is registering on us, I look over and notice there's some kind of animal pen made out of chicken wire built onto the backside of the shack. I move a bit to look at the pen, and I see there's about 15 to 20 dead, almost decomposed chickens lying there. They're mostly bone and feather, and what little flesh left doesn't stink that much anymore. The remains haven't been scattered, which means no animals have been chewing on them. Some of the chickens on our farm had gone missing over a year or so before this, and some bundles of feathers even had the same coloration as ours. Suddenly my buddy grabbed me by my arm and screams, let's get out of here. He'd been staring intently at the shack when he'd freaked out. I looked back to see what he screamed at. I didn't think I saw anything unless... We run back to the mouth of the trail at breakneck net speeds, jump on our bikes, and tear off down the driveway. When we arrives safely at the house, I ask him what he thought he saw. I'm terrified he'll confirm what I thought I glimpsed. He did. I just felt like something was really wrong there. Then I saw those eyes, those creepy red eyes staring at me from the shack. We eventually tell his dad, who's lived in the area since he was a kid, what we thought we saw. He gets very quiet. He makes his promise that we'll never go down that way again without an adult present. He refuses to answer any more questions about it. My friend and I never talked about it since we certainly never repeated our trip down the trail. I told you. Crazy Hobo. No, it was... What's his name? It's Johnny Canuck, the red-eyed gonna, chicken eater. No, Johnny
0: was the one telling the story. No,
1: Johnny is the one with the red eyes, Johnny who's half chicken because he's daughter. eaten so many of them, that he's starting to become radioactive. radioactive. And he's got a taste for chicks. <coughs> chicks.
0: This is going to be the last not hot, but spicy story on this here episode. <coughs> this story is by Aviva. It's called The Eye on the Wall. When I was a little girl about age eight, we moved from my parents' first starter house into a bigger one. It was a ranch-style home. Three bedrooms, two baths, basement, and a garage. It was plenty big for my parents, sister, and myself. My sister was six at the time, and she was pretty upset to have moved from the house we both grew up in, so it was my job to make her feel better, said my mother. The game we designed was that one of us would run down to the basement and stare up the laundry chute until the other poked open the laundry chute and waved. Sounds great. We would squeal with laughter and then run to change places. My mom either didn't care or didn't notice since we were out of the way of the movers. The basement was half-finished. One whole area had been done with wood paneling and multiple rooms. One included the laundry area. This area even had carpet. The rest of the basement was green concrete floors and the cement concrete popcorn walls. That's the best way I can describe it. Uh, Insulation. The unfinished area took up most of the basement and had two small windows that let light in. This area became the main play area for me and my sister along with any new friends we would bring over. Sounds a lot like my old basement in my old house. Yeah, I don't really remember that much. At one point, about three months into living there, my mother let a few friends of mine come over for a sleepover. We were having fun, drawn with chalk and crayon on the basement floor. My mom didn't mind this since it could be easily washed off the concrete. At some point, we decided to all climb into our sleeping bags for bed. We told the best ghost stories that eight and nine year olds could tell and went to sleep scared out of our minds. Nothing happened to wake us during the night, but when we woke up the next morning, most of us rushed ups- upstairs to the smell of French toast. My younger sister, however, took a bit longer to wake up. When she came upstairs, she was giggling and giving me an odd look. After breakfast, I asked her what was up, and she said to me, Mom's gonna be so mad at you for drawing chalk on the walls. I was most confused, as I was sure neither me or my friends had drawn on the walls at all, at least not when I was awake. So I ran down there, determined to avoid punishment from one of the friend's blunders, when I stopped short of reaching the wall. Up high, as it could be before hitting the ceiling, was a single picture. I knew instantly that I nor my friends could have drawn such a thing. For one, it was too high for any of us to reach with any ease, and secondly, the picture itself was... Well, let me try to describe it. The picture was mostly simple, of an eye, but I don't think anyone could have drawn a more perfectly—I don't think anyone could have drawn a more perfect eye with chalk if they were paid to do so. Its symmetry seemed perfect. Eyelashes were there, pupil, iris, even the whites of the eyes were there. I was. It was nothing more than an eye, but it terrified me because I knew it was impossible. My mom was nowhere tall enough nor good enough of an artist to do such a thing, and my father was out of town. I was baffled. I asked my friends, and they all said it wasn't them. Finally I told my mother. She went and looked at it, then looked at me with a very odd look, and simply said, I told you I didn't want you drawn on the walls. No matter how much I begged and pleaded, she wouldn't believe it wasn't me, nor would she accept the oddity that was the eye itself. She washed it off quickly and went back upstairs, leaving me and my friends to look at the spot on the wall where it had been. We never slept down there again. Apparently, Aviva has a second story called Weird Sounds and Claw Marks. This is a story from the same house about a year later. My friends and I are playing in the basement. We weren't afraid because it wasn't nighttime. Tongue face emoji. We begin hearing a very odd noise. It was deep and guttural, and I really don't know a great way to describe it other than that. It seemed to be coming from the concrete wall that looked like a popcorn ceiling. I have no idea how that wall was accomplished, anyway. Uh, I keep thinking insulation. The noise seemed far away at first but then began to get louder and closer until it seemed to be right next to us inside the wall. We ran up the stairs and I tried to convince my dad that something was going on down there but he was napping and dismissed me easily. So we stayed out of the basement for the rest of the day and without incident. We never spoke of it between us friends again. My mother returned home about two hours later, and I begged her to go down to the basement. I just wanted some reassurance. So we would venture downstairs. I was walking behind her, and once you get about halfway down the stairs, you can see the opposing wall where we heard the noise. At this halfway point, my mom stopped short, which made me run into the back of her. She began calling out for my dad, who then came lumbering down the stairs. Now it was Sarah Sandwich. My dad passed both me and my mother on the stairs and stood at the bottom looking at the wall. I was the only person who did not have view of the wall in question due to my position. My father then began to grumble about never getting a break from fixing things on my mother's side. I was eager to figure out what they were talking about, so I pushed my way past my mother gently and stood next to my dad. I instantly reached up and grabbed his arm, and what I am sure was a look of pure terror and confusion appeared on my face. On the wall was what I can only describe as claw marks. Deep grooves were torn into the concrete, like maybe a three-clawed tiger had ripped into it. No, it terrified me. Snick, snake. Isn't that
1: a isn't that what Wolverines claws sound?
0: You're snick. just saying
1: s- snick? like snake, snake. So I'm snick, just imagining snick. three snakes.
0: No, like, isn't that the snick, comic snick. sound? That
1: yes, it is. His claws. Snick. I know that, but I just think of snakes. It terrified me
0: as these marks were it's not okay. there Snakes before. Are terrifying, I understand. Hello, I am Sneck. I am Indiana Jones. Snakes. Oh no. My parents, of course, blamed their nine-year-old daughter for tearing holes in the car. <coughs> they fixed it promptly and told me to be more careful. They almost had me convinced that it was my fault somehow. At any rate, this reinforced my decision to not play in any part of the basement ever again and certainly never sleep down there. I love basements! basement stories forever I live in a basement forever forever so yeah that was uh, that was not up spicy uh, volume 2 baby eh. how'd you feel about today's not hot but spicy
1: smorgasbord I don't know I think Cheetos would have been better
0: I love Cheetos. Who we, do I love Cheetos?
1: Okay. <laughs> okay, go, go settle down with your your wife and kid now and come back in, you know, like a really long time or something. <laughs> Maybe I'll have a beard by then.
0: Maybe I'll have a big old Santa Claus beard by then. Mm. <laughs> oh, I love her in the morning. It's going to be so long. Morning. It's funny that during... Derm- <laughs> During the dream, the dream story, where the guy just kept rambling about his dreams, all I could think of was the Accountant game that the Rick and Morty guys made, dream. where Justin Roiland voices, like, all the characters in the game. <coughs> what, the
1: and, and, no, the, the game? With the, the
0: Truth Tortoise? And, no, there's... Maybe. Is that It starts off
1: with the Truth Tortoise, and they... It's basically like, um... What's his name? Neil something... The Sandman comic. It's that dude. It's Dream from Sandman comic, which... Okay. is why then they go into like Rick and Morty's mind benders. I'm talking about something else. What? I thought you were talking about that
0: episode. No, I'm talking about oh. I'm talking about a game they created. Oh same studio. We'll continue. Uh, they 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 do something, uh the same studio that did Rick and Morty, the same developers, same creators, they uh it's called like Squanch Studios. It's Squanch yeah. games. It's funny. Um they have a game called Accountant where you like portal hop to like different dimensions and just deal with like a six foot by six foot radius it's all vr shit so that's why it's like everything's confined but um one of them is like uh the belly of a demon and there are skeletons everywhere and they're all like talking and you could like pick them up and like make bodies out of them so like two heads on like the side of one like cat dog body and they're like, ooh, play me. Play my bones. And you could like pick up bones and just be like spooky scary scary. And but my favorite one, my favorite one is like the second world that you get to. And it's this it's this beautiful forest. And there's this tree and you see this guy like sticking out of the tree hole like picking up acorns and sticks and shit and so it's just a dude it's not like a squirrel or anything. I mean he's basically a And squirrel. he literally just starts screaming at the player. He's just like, "Get out of my tree world. What are you doing here? Get get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of my tree world." <laughs> And uh when you show up at that world later it's on fire and he's just like this is all your fault
1: cuz you you showed him fire.
0: <laughs> you did this to me. No, I don't know how the I'm going to sue you. But who uh, did this? You kill a fat king and one of them you go to a uh it's like a half hour long game but it's like a Rick and Morty episode in it a VR game. How long the game? And uh one of them is like a court trial <coughs> where um your fingers are your lawyers, I think, and you could keep you could keep pulling off your fingers and throwing them at the at the judge, and he'll be like, he'll be like, no, no, sir, no, seriously, like, uh, we need to move on with this. You're making a mockery of this trial, and you could just be like, cool. Uh, yeah, you should watch Accountant. It's very funny. Okay. Um, but yeah, I thought of uh, the dream hopping and the fun little creatures you run into. It's very labyrinth, very
1: uh, tree world true okay cool i thought you were talking about the sandman like the comic from that episode i love sandman yeah man yeah man. no the sandman not yeah man yeah man yeah man, yeah, man it's different thing
0: so is there any anything uh you want to you want to share at the end of this uh at the end of this episode Mm-hmm. He just kind of shrugged.
1: So I don't um, have anything. I, good. Good. I, I, got, I don't reenact movie scenes. Yes, yeah, no, we don't. We don't, do any, we don't do anything like that. I'm not. I don't. Uh, not not jiggle. many people do.
0: <laughs> yeah. Not many people do. um yeah, I got food cooking, and we're we're sitting down to play Cuphead. Ooh, so. buffalo chicken dip. We're we're moving on. I can we're, eat again. We're having like a, a chip party, but like <laughs> fucking chip party. We're having a chip party, like you together. can't trademark the chip party. The chip I made up the chip party. Whatever. It's mine. It is it's copyrighted. Not, copyrighted twenty seventeen chip party. You can't
1: copyright chip party. Because then you're going to have to did. copyright the chips. Already did. So Already what if I have a Dorito the party? party? Then that's you. Then you can have your Dorito. What if I have a
0: ruffle party? I, I distinctly have episode Like you have to ruffle the feathers. 27 was, was just put chips. up on the YouTube today. 27 was put on the YouTube today. And that is the chip party episode. That's where I lay down my mandate <clears> of the chip party. Um, and so we're going to do that and we're going to play Cuphead.
1: And I'll, I'll be sure to talk about it on another episode. So this was lots of pasta. I'm just finally excited that they have fucking released the shit. It got delayed for so. Literally, that's the reason I bought the Xbox was for. Sold it to me, and, and then I sold I it cuphead. to you because they took like over a year because they had to like remortgage their houses. I just read that today, and, like, and that's nuts. do all this other. The I mean, game took six years. I can understand it because it's a work of art. And the thing is, I'd rather, if it takes me fucking forever, as long as it's good enough, I don't care. <laughs> True. Like, because it's everlasting. Two to the one, from the one to the three. I like the pussy and I like the tree. Smoke so much weed, you wouldn't believe. And I get more